Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to man you know on Twitter as JeppDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? Eagles went down in a close one to the Bulldogs. What did you think of that game? Yeah, it was the game of the round. It was obviously a disappointing result, but great game. Um, yeah, it's uh, the class of the Bulldogs really shone through, and especially McRae in that last quarter. What about your mate, Nick Nat? Yeah, unbelievable. We're um we're totally screwed when he retires. He um he single-handedly got us back in the game in the third quarter, and I thought he was sensational. Um, but yeah, we just we just missed that punch around the ball and that that poise. And um, Shuey hopefully back this week. Yep, Shuey's back this week, so hopefully that works out well. We'll get into the Andrew Gaff situation a little bit later on in the podcast. So as always, if you retweet any podcast link that you see on Twitter. Uh, you're in a chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap. The next retweet giveaway will be the midway point of the season. Uh, also, if you've not been following AFL Ratings Twitter accounts, you're likely behind your opponents already. Jump on and follow. All I ask in return for the content is likes and retweets. Additionally, the fantasy content is still happening over at aforratings.com.au. If you'd like some analysis on news, roles, fantasy injuries, etc., that's your home for this season. Remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, March 30. Make necessary adjustments, as always, when news comes to hand. Okay, Jep, thoughts on round two of the season? Gorn and Grandy rebounded well in round two. A sigh of relief for owners. Yeah, for sure. Um, both were great. Uh, Grundy more behind the ball again. Noticed that immediately, which that's where he gets his points and that's where he's used to um, to getting a lot of plus sixes. And then Grundy was on a mission, wasn't he? He looks like he had a talking to during the week and um, effectively told to pull his finger out. And he was he was a man possessed. Yeah, I, I did tweet out uh, before round two that, the thing with Gorn and Grundy was that they played in the two lowest scoring games from round one. So therefore, that is less center bounce uh, opportunities for hitouts and obviously the follow-up with a tackle either or a disposal. So uh, both teams were in moderate to high scoring games in round two and the points did see an upward swing for both players. So I think both still at this stage will average about 120. So I think there's some... Um, Good games ahead for both of those. Uh, obviously, Grundy has, should have a pretty decent matchup this week, and so should Max Gorn. So uh, for, if you're looking at uh, vice-captain uh, loophole options for uh, Melbourne with Gorn and Collingwood with Grundy, uh, I know we've got the Bulldogs against the Kangaroos, but there's certainly some options there because I think both will crush this week. So I think both will hit the 120 average by the end of the year. Okay, Jep. Injuries have hit a few key players this week, resulting in plenty of forced trades. How should this be approached from coaches? Well, it's, it's balancing your team and, and keeping your balance and your structure potentially or, or cashing in the players that you feel that are in for a big season based on the two rounds of data that we have. Um, you know, pre-pod, you and I were talking about our trades and how we're going to approach it. I've got Caldwell, and I think you do too from memory. So... Yep. No Caldwell. Oh, no Caldwell. Let's see, you escape that one. But it, for me, I'm, I'm just looking at the simple downgrade upgrade this week and keeping it disciplined. 
Yeah, I think uh, we get another week just to mess around with our teams a little bit before we're locked into the long-term strategy uh, of downgrading and upgrading, generating cash and upgrading to premiums. And there's going to be plenty of juicy options of premiums coming up with a lot of high break evens. Um, so I think it's just mess, you can mess around one more week and get your team uh, set for the long term. So if that's the case, you need to trade out some force uh, plays with injuries, etc. Um, I think you're still in a good boat for the season ahead. Okay, the North Melbourne situation. Again, we obviously did talk about this pre-pod. Uh, we just wanted to include it in the podcast for a little bit of a chat. Um, so a few things are happening with there with North Melbourne. Obviously, we had um, Jed Anderson come back into the team last week. He records 14 tackles and just goes off. We've got Ben Cunnington coming back into the team this week and he will see some midfield usage and I think he'll spend uh, a little bit of time forward there as well. Uh, Trent Dumont is still a way off, but he's still to come back into that team as well. So it pretty much goes back into the Tom Powell discussion. We've got Lazaro there. Phillips has done well at VFL level. And then obviously uh, Stevenson there. Uh, I think I just mentioned it. But anyway, Stevenson there as well. Now that game last week against Gold Coast, North Melbourne were pretty dismal. Uh, the effort was actually really poor. Uh, it was a wet game on the Gold Coast, as we have seen quite often. Uh, slippery conditions there at night. And... Uh, what happens is you don't see a lot of plus sixes, the ball's on the ground, and especially when the ball is coming to the forward line, it's pretty hard to handle. Now, on Stevenson's um, point of view, because uh, we do have a lot of uh, fantasy coaches on Stevenson, um, he probably missed out on probably 20 to 25 points, I think, just not being able to get a handle on the ball. He did spend a lot more time forward this week. North Melbourne against the Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium in round three. I think Stevenson should return to some sort of normal scoring. Uh, now, for the season for David Noble and the Kangaroos, what you're going to see is a lot of variance from week to week. So, obviously, they're in a major rebuild, the Kangaroos. So, Noble is going to analyse his list throughout the season. So, what you're going to get is some volatility in centre bounces. What you're going to get is some volatility in playing roles uh, throughout the year. So that's just one thing you need to factor in with if you're selecting North Melbourne players, especially if people are looking at Ben Cunnington this week. I wouldn't recommend it. He's going to play a long time forward, so I think there's going to be some low-scoring games. We've talked about that previously, and he's got a low uh, ceiling anyway. So when we go back to the rookies, we've got Tom Powell, and then we've got Will Phillips. I mean, Phillips and Powell could be switched in, switched out this week. So... I'm not saying that's going to happen or I've heard anything uh, of that matter, but um, that's the type of situation you're going to get. And especially when the kangaroos in blowouts, what you might get is those guys actually going into the middle, is what we've seen with uh, Powell in round one, is that when the kangaroos were blown out in the second quarter in round one against Port Adelaide, and you know, Powell gets to see some midfield usage there. So, And then you've got Lazaro thrown into the mix as well, who's done quite well. So... Volatility in roles, I think rookies get the opportunities at North Melbourne, but you still have some midfielders coming back into that team. So don't expect, and don't forget, the Kangaroos are going to pretty much get blown out in most games this year. So it's not going to be a fantasy heaven of high scores. Um, you just got to take your points, get in, get out, and get that rookie cash, and, and pretty much that's it. Jep, your thoughts? Yeah, you pretty much start everything. Um, I think the concern more is if power misses and Lazaro potentially misses. I thought Lazaro was quite good against the Suns yeah, personally. Solid, yep. um, yeah, so how they how they manage the loads for these first few players is what I'm concerned about um, and we all should be concerned about. So hopefully it's not an early rest for power. Um, 
who knows? But yeah, with the likes of Jed Anderson who dominated and then Cunnington like, you're gonna put keep, sorry keeps power at that half forward line more often, um, and that's why you know he was he was pretty moderate last week um, with a score of 55. So yeah, look, it's um, it's to be expected, and and just for everyone's knowledge, I've got power on my bench this week. Um, I didn't. I had him on field last week, but I, I, he'll be on my bench this week just with a bit of a little structure change and and trades. So um, yeah, it's it's something we're going to have to monitor all year, like you said. Okay, some current assessments, Jeb. We are heading into round three of the season. What are you looking at in order to make your decisions this week? So for me, it's about really cashing on the on the primos. That are, that are discounted. So what players have shown us a lot in the first two rounds and are they going to cash in for most of the year um, or are they not? So making those decisions, uh, we differ a bit on this, is for me is this week, not next week. And, um, yeah, pulling the trigger and then obviously look, keep keep finding and keep looking Um as, as the early rounds come on. So we, we pick up these primos cheaper than everyone else or cheaper than most, and um, we can be ahead of the game. Yeah, for me, I'm just tracking uh, these break-even, so I've got a stack of players on my list that I will target over the next few weeks. Uh, they're going to come down significantly in salary, so it's starting to pre-plan for those. Obviously, keep an eye on, on your buy structure. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking at and starting to plan for that. So, And I'm starting to bank a little bit of cash there as well. Okay, it's almost the final call for some rookies uh, that will generate cash, Jep. Playing the long game is quite important. What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, for sure. Like It's the same with every year. But I think this year what's different than most is the depth of sides. And I think... Now, let's talk about quality over quantity in a sec, but the quantity of rookies going to play this season is going to be higher than most, but the quality of rookies coming in to um, play one or two games is what I'm more worried about, given the draft restrictions of last season. So, um, yeah, getting getting your rooks right is obviously the most important. So the Gouldens, the Jordans, the Campbells of the world... Um, you really can't miss out on that, and, and now's the time. You can miss out on a couple. Um, obviously, Harrison Jones wasn't huge, and Brockman's not going to be a, a high-ceiling player, and probably Rowe in that respect too. So there's a few you can pass on, and then we've got likely going to have Perkins come in for us in this week, and we get a good look at him before trading him in or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's... It's not the be-all and end-all for jumping on rooks this week, I suppose. It's unless they're the big-name players. But yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of good quality rookies in the earlier rounds, and then as we go through the season, we're depth tested. And you know, we've had you know Carlton today, Paul Carlton, Zach Fisher, and um, who's the other one missing six weeks? Jack both Martin. Jack Martin out for six weeks. So yeah, that puts. Um, puts pressure on lists and you get these young fellas getting a gig so yeah it's um i think we're going to have that constant stream of cheaper players all season yeah for me non-negotiables are golden jordan uh, campbell and warner i think they're absolutely non-negotiable uh bergman's still in there as well i think he's going to chug along quite nicely um 
And Powell's still okay. I still think he's got a lot of money to make there. Berry's going okay as well. We'll get into him. Um, yeah, so four non-negotiables there. You need your team for the long term. Um, got some pretty good break-evens with all four of those. And again, as what you said, quality over quantity. So for me, I would be targeting quality rooks coming in. Don't forget, we've got the medical sub at play this year. One week in, one week, mm-hmm. the next week, medical sub. So they've actually the ones you bring in that you need to put on field, that you need to rely on their scores in the early part of bringing them in to your team. Um, they need to be really solid in that 22. Okay, Jep, on to the next one. How would you approach the Easter weekend for trades with games covering Thursday to Monday? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so that Monday game... Let's start from the worst case scenario. So the Monday games still on Hawks. Who you know, who's on the edge for Hawthorne, who's under an injury cloud? And dare I say it, I think Jordan Clark is not a guaranteed selection in the twenty two after he turned it over a little bit. So just having a backup plan for for those players, not necessarily trading them out, especially Jordan Clark, because I still think he, he yeah, he's got a bit to offer in the fantasies points wise. Um but yeah, having a backup plan for most and then timing the trades as well. So if you can time your trades where even utilising a DPP and just keeping a trade up your sleeve up until Saturday night or Sunday, um, that would be ideal. It's not always going to work out. Um, but yeah, backup plan with bench players. So for example, I've got Jordan Clark in my midfield at the moment. If he gets dropped, Tom Powell probably comes in and that's my backup plan at the last minute. So something like that. Yeah, just another spreadsheet, another tab. Um, just just open up another uh, one of those and just track how many players you got on each day, Thursday through to Sunday. And that actually probably applies for your uh, captain options in uh, for those who do have a loophole option, a non-playing rook. Um, you can actually plan that out quite nicely. I did start with one, so that's a little bit different to you. I know you started with all playing rooks, so I do have that loophole option to me to utilise. So uh, as far as trades concerned, yeah, open up a tab and it just track how many players are playing on each day so you don't get stuck at the back end of round three. Okay, Jeff, players that have a negative break-even, uh, players that we should be targeting pretty much. Uh, James Jordan, minus 39, Errol Gordon, minus 30. We've got Matt Flynn, minus 24. Chad Warner, minus 12. Tyler Brockman, minus 9. Miles Bergman, minus 6. Braden Campbell, minus 2. I like all of them. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I love all of them. I've got all of them, thankfully. Um, I think Bergman has a decent game against West Coast against on the Optus Stadium with the with the wider ground and the bigger ground and plenty of plus sixes, personally. Um, and then Campbell, how good was he last week? Sensational kicking. You know, probably took a bit of ball away from Jake Lloyd, to be fair. And, um, yeah, Adelaide didn't pay too much attention to him and he, and he did some damage. So Warner was great in the guts and played a lot in the inside midfield role. Yep. As Luke Parker obviously poised a threat or posed a threat, sorry, forward. So that's a big tick. So our Sydney boys should be starting on our field every week at this early stage. Flynn looked a bit proppy, so one to monitor there too. Yeah, the one with uh, Chad Warner that actually James Robotham missing last week actually helped him with regards to his midfield usage. So he looked like he was going to pop off last week, and that's exactly what he did. So it was great. Uh, Tyler Brockman still turning it over. He's too, uh, as in his fantasy scores, he's turning it over at a nice rate. So he's quite solid there. And if Campbell can crunch out another score this week, he's, his um, break-even should improve there. 
for more cash to be made. Okay, seven key mids, Jep, with a break even of 130 points or more. These are the players that I'm starting to track. Again, midfielders, and let's have a mini discussion on each of those. So Lockie Neal, 191, Andrew Gaff, 159, Adam Trelaw, 147, Zach Merritt, 138, Jack Steele, 138, Taylor Adams, 134, Josh Kelly, 130. Let's start with Lockie Neal. He's copped a tag um, in round two for Mark O'Connor. I did speak about that in uh, last week's podcast with regards to taggers coming back. It looks like there's going to be potential for that to be happening this season, so keep an eye out for that. As far as Lockie Neal is concerned, um, uh, he was tagged by Mark O'Connor in round two, um, which sort of... Collingwood don't tag this week, so I think he should be okay. But with a break-even of 199, he's going to hemorrhage cash. Um, if you've got him... Now, this, this is an interesting one. Do you get rid of him? I think a break-even 191, that's going to be a stack of cash. He's going to drop and... And he's not necessarily going to pump out some decent scores if he's going to get tagged. So I think you can offload him. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, look, he, the heavy tag um, really put... Well, it was one of the reasons why Geelong um, were able to pinch the game. Um, Neil non-existent. But yeah, look, he... The break even 191. The rule is you just don't t- trade your premiums, is, is my rule. So I'm, you just stick with it. Because he will come good at some point in this season. So I wouldn't trade him personally, even though he's going to hemorrhage a lot of cash. I think damage has already been done. And I think it's just better to fix up other crap on your ground or in your 22 than it is to trade out premiums. Okay, Jep. Andrew Gaff, away you go. Oh, <laughs> so it, incredibly frustrating. So the biggest change... I'm going to break down the rule changes a little bit and, and play a part how this has affected Gaff. So we've got Bunger Hearn in our back line kicking it in and he gets to run that extra 10 metres and he basically kicks it to the centre line every time. And we've got three key forwards. So we've got Kennedy, Darling and Oscar Allen, all in very good nick. So last season, Gaff was that kick behind the ball and that sort of bailout kick, that dinky kick on the 45 degrees as well to bring it back through the corridor. And the biggest thing I've noticed in the two weeks is that dinky kick ain't happening anymore. And a lot of it comes from our defence because last season, like I said, we would set up and it would be chip mark, chip mark, mark, kick, mark, kick, mark, kick, and gas missing out. And it's it's notable. Now, there's other reasons too. I don't think Gaff did himself any favours by running his running patterns, and I think there'll be a talking to. But... They're not kicking it to him because they don't need to kick it to him, is, ba- is what I'm getting at. They are, we've got three key forwards that are really clunking the ball amazingly well, and it, it just, it, yeah, it's floating over his head. And other times they actually just don't give it to him, which is really bizarre. So if I'm Simo, I throw him on the ball a bit more, especially last week, and I, and I disagree with the Nelson tag on Bontempelli. I was... You should have heard me swearing. My wife had to remove the children because the Nelson tag wasn't working. We weren't getting, you know, we rely on Nick Nate to get the centre clearances, but we just needed that class and poise like McRae for the dogs was around the ball. Now, McRae was a difference in the last quarter. As good as Bont was, I felt like McRae made some three, four or four real key components and decisions. Now, if, if Gaff was on the ball, that could happen. Now, does Gaff's role change from rounds three onwards? 
Oh, who knows? Probably not. Let's be honest. Now, we've got Port Adelaide at Optus Stadium who have better key defenders, probably, you know, with Aaliyah, Aaliyah and Jonas um, and Cleary. They're three very good pillars and three very good defenders. So they got our three tools covered. So maybe they don't go long down the long, down the guts every time. And they do try the mark kick game from defence and we, and we go back to our old ways. But that's what's happening. And that's why Gaff is missing out on his possessions and that's why he's scoring poorly. Now, he's clearly frustrated. I, you could see it watching him and Gaff owners would, be, would have been watching him intently against the dogs. There were cl- there's clear frustration from Gaff. And then the photos today from the West Australian stating that they had a heated discussion at training and there's a few dislikes and, and the rest of it. Yeah, okay, that's probably happened. There's some honest conversation. Simo doesn't muck around. So it's what Gaff needs to do for the team. Um, he'll probably get on the ball on ball a bit more, but then Shuey's back and Yeah. And then we're at Optus Stadium again where we utilise the wide spaces and there's more chance for Mark Kick games. So both of us own Gaff. I'm not trading him. And if others want to trade him, go for it. But it just comes back to the rule of not trading your primates for me. I'm just too stubborn. But there is a clear change in West Coast game plan, um, and it's affecting gas mark kick possessions. Yep, I did speak about this in uh, last night's solo pod, uh, episode 70, and go back and have a listen to that. Pretty much along the same lines, obviously, the extra uh, five, ten minutes to kick it in, that ball's landing in the middle of the ground. Gaff used to get the easy mark out onto the wing at the 50-metre line. That's not happening anymore. Uh, a couple of things at play here as well is that the Bulldogs are a very high disposal team. As I mentioned earlier, Collingwood were stuck on a very low disposal rate in round one, as were West Coast in round two. So there's less opportunities when the other team's just got the ball. In round one, where he should have smashed, he actually just didn't. So that was a bit of an anomaly there, but I think he should be okay long term. Uh, I've got him, I'm not trading him. I think he's okay long term, but it's just a pretty rough start to the season for Andrew Gaff. Okay, Adam Trelaw uh, interrupted pre-season, got a break-even of 147 here. Jeb, he did see an increase in centre bounces in round two, which brings in the Josh Dunkley situation. Uh, I think Trelaw is going to see an increase of midfield centre bounce usage uh, as the season wears on. Um, again, plays into the Dunkley hands. I think he's going to be okay, but we're going to get him at we're going to be able to get him at a cheap price. We just need to see the scores start to roll in. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, agree with all of that, mate. It's just a bit of wait and see with Trelaw and how he fits in the side long term. And, you know, he's adopting to the Bulldog style of play a bit too. So, um, yeah, he's not going to be touched pre-buys for me, um, but obviously one to monitor. Yeah, Zach Merritt, 138 break, Devin. One to have a look at uh, if you don't own Merritt. Now, the situation with the Bombers, obviously we have Jai Caldwell out long-term with an injury. We have Dylan Sheila out four weeks, six weeks, whatever it is. So we're going to get high usage pretty much from Darcy Parrish, Zach Merritt, Andrew McGrath. Um, so I think it's going to be an okay situation for Merritt. The other thing is, if the Bombers aren't travelling well, uh, for example, if they're doing well in games, teams aren't going to care if Merritt gets... The ball plenty of times, which I think it's a good situation for those that don't own Zach Merritt to target him. So I do have him, and I think he should be a target there and should be able to get him at a cheaper price soon. Okay, Jack Steele, rough start a little bit for Jack Steele to start the season. The Saints are an efficient ball movement team from defence 
to the forward line and they started to change midway through last year so that's going to happen again this season now we've got Brad Crouch coming into that team we'll talk about him a little bit later on in the podcast so still is struggling to maintain his salary um, I don't think he should be a target but we're going to also see him at a cheaper price in a few weeks Jeff your thoughts yeah, still will be thereabouts um, at the end of the season. I think maybe wait a week or two for Jack and um, definitely plan, well, plan to trade him in in a week or two um, because he's of value for sure. Taylor Adams in and under type player, contested ball type player for the Magpies. Again, similar situation to Jack Steele that he's had a little bit of a rough start to the season. I think he's going to be okay long term. He did have an interrupted pre-season, but he's just, he's just at the rough end of a rough start to the season. Uh, Jeb, your thoughts? Yeah, oh, look, he was sensational. The only thing I'd you know, query is his body and soft tissue history. Um, something that doesn't sit well with me right now. So I will be playing a cautious approach with Adams. Definitely looking to bring him in, though. Um, but probably after the buy, after he's had a bit of a rest. OK, and we've got Josh Kelly at 130 break-even. So I'm happy to see if he... Sees a price drop. Don't own him at the moment. Um, he's going to play a little bit more on the outside, I would think. So I think the scores will come along quite nicely throughout the season. I think he's one to target down the track, Jep. And if you've still got him, I don't think there's an issue. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, the off the stadium suits his style of play. So that's, I think, a factor in why he played so well. He's not a target for me, only because it looks like CWS going to get you know, on the end of a few losses, and they really did struggle. Um, so how that plays out, but he is out of contract at the end of this season. So he's playing for a new contract. He, you know, magically players dominate when they're out of contract. So, um, yeah, he's hoping. Okay, Jep, on to a few key players that the listeners have requested. Time to play like or dislike. Add a comment if you like. We're going to do a 12-pack today. Darcy Parrish, as I just mentioned with the Bombers, he's got, he should see a lot of uh, set of bounce usage now with Caldwell and Shield out with extended time with injuries. Your thoughts on Parrish? No, nah, dislike for me. I still think he's going to be inconsistent, and then if Bombers get handed a few spankings, he'll be one to suffer points-wise. Yeah, I don't mind Parrish, so I'm going to give him a like. Uh, I think he can get it done, and uh, Bombers fans have been calling out for a long time to see him in the midfield, and especially at centre bounces. I think we're going to see a stack of that over the coming weeks. I like it, and I think his scores should roll in. Jordan Clark for Geelong. Jep, what are your thoughts? He struggled early in round one and round two. I think he can still get a massive... We know he's got a massive ceiling, as what we did see in the pre-season. I think it's still a like for me with Jordan Clark. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's still a like for me too, and you were bang on there. Like, it's his ceiling, isn't it? So he's got this potential to really um, dominate a game and, and, and all stat lines. But he plays Hawthorne this week, so I think it's going to be a bit more open. And um, I... Hope, you know, it's at the G as well. So it, it does suit him a bit better. So fingers crossed. And then Melbourne, North Melbourne and West Coast after that. So it's a pretty good month for him if he can stay in the 22. Jake Lloyd. Obviously, uh, Braden Campbell has come into that team. Now, the thing about the Swans is that they're actually scoring now. So if they're scoring, that means that ball is hanging around a lot less in that defence, which means less opportunities for Jake Lloyd. Not that Jake Lloyd owners want to hear that sort of stat. All those sort of thoughts. But 
against Richmond, it could be back to a decent score um, against quality opposition this week. So we'll just wait and see on Jake Lloyd. For me, it's a long-term like for a trade target. Um, so I think, obviously, he's, he will average well. Uh, but, yeah, it's just a, a watch and see on what Sydney are doing with their game plan. Jep, your thoughts? Yeah, you, you nailed it on the head, mate. Nothing really more to add except, yeah, don't, owners don't panic. He's, I think he'll do really well against Richmond personally this week, and then he's got Essendon the week after. So, you know, there'll be swings around about with, with Lloyd, and, um, he, you know, he's still a top six defender at the end of the day. Yeah, he's got a monster ceiling, so I wouldn't be too yeah. concerned at this stage. Okay, on to Dom Tyson for North Melbourne. Uh, obviously, with Cunnington coming back into the team this week, we've got the, the variance of the rookies, what we discussed earlier. And in amongst all that, we've got Dom Tyson, who did uh, put up a pretty decent preseason. But I think he's in a situation where his scores could struggle. It's a massive dislike for me, Jeff. Thoughts? Yeah, dislike. Just no. Just no. I think he, he potentially comes out of the team with um, the ins to North Melbourne. Who knows what's going to happen through that midfield. I just think it's a volatile situation that's going to happen all year as David Noble assesses that list. Okay, on to Fremantle here. We've got a, three players here we want to discuss. Uh, first one is Luke Ryan. I did mention in last night's podcast, episode 70, that Fremantle uh, are starting to move the ball a lot more efficient out of defensive 50 into their forward line, and which means less opportunities potentially for Luke Ryan. Your thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah, agreed. I, th- I don't think he should be a target for anyone. He's in my team. I think he still should be okay. <laughs> okay, on to Heath Chapman. He made his AFL debut last week. He looked actually quite solid. Uh, female do have some injuries in their back line. And drop security, I think it's about 50-50 at this stage. I think it's okay for the short term, but long term, not sure. Uh, is he trade target for you, Jep? Like or dislike? Yeah, no, I like him. He um, he offers a bit, but that 250k still viable for this point. Um, and then yeah, when you, when you push the trigger, he's got a break even of 28 this week. He's probably going to go up 10 to 20 grand this week. It's he's a bench cover only, so he's not probably priority one for many. Yeah, I like him, but I think the cash generation might be a little bit poor. Okay, on to Andrew Brayshaw. Um, what we did see in round two for Fremantle is that Nat Five started forward and he played a hell of a lot of time forward. So which meant that Andrew Brayshaw, Sarong and Shera, and again, as I mentioned uh, yesterday, they were in a pretty soft matchup against the Giants, which turned out to be. Um, he actually put up a pretty decent ceiling, Brayshaw. What are your thoughts long-term, Jeff? Like or dislike Andrew Brayshaw? Yeah, no, like Brayshaw. I think he um, he's going to be one of the big fantasy movers for the season. On to Jared Witts. Oh, just on Brayshaw there for me. Uh, I like him a lot. Okay, on to Jared Witts for Gold Coast. Obviously, he's got a built-in floor with his headouts there. Uh, if Gold Coast is going to score at a decent rate, I think he can get plenty of opportunities in there. I think he's at a pretty decent price still. Uh, and if you own the, one of the low rucks, he should be a target at least. I like Jared Witts. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, love Jared Witts. I think... Those that started with him at R1 or R2 have serviced the team very well. Um, I think he's going to be solid for, for most of the year. On to the Bulldogs. Josh Dunkley did see reduction in centre bounces in round two, as we mentioned earlier, with Adam Trelaw starting to see an increase. Uh, to watch and see on those numbers, 
but again, as I mentioned in the podcast last night, the Bulldogs are going to be a high disposal team. I think there's enough points there for a lot of players in that midfield to eat. Jet, what are your thoughts? I like him a lot. Yeah, I like him now at this price. Um, and this is where it's tempting for many. He's pretty pretty gettable for those that don't own him and they play North Melbourne. They've got a pretty good run and the Bulldogs are up and about. And as when the team's up and about, most players play and score well, especially with the Bulldogs' style of game plan. So there's really not a lot to dislike, is there? On to Stephen Canelio uh, for the Giants. So the Giants did struggle in round two, a bit of an indifferent start to the season. Uh, I have mentioned that the ball movement was actually quite poor against Fremantle and it looked quite disjointed, uh, which actually comes into the scenario of um, looking at Josh Kelly, Taranto and Canelio. And if that, that ball movement is disjointed, um, we could actually see some volatile scores. I did expect before the season started that Giants would be a high disposal type team, but they're struggling early in the year. Um, I still like Stephen Canelio long term. He's got a great ceiling. Your thoughts, Chip? Yeah, look, I, I like, I'm a Canelo owner, so um, I'm hoping he came good and noticing him more than probably most on the weekend is when that game, that last quarter especially, when Frio really ran away with it, Canelo did bugger all. So that's that's a reason, and if that's a trend for the season, then Canelo owners are in trouble. But, yeah, look, he, he's a champion. He'll bounce back, and he's got to lead that team now. He ain't going to let what last year happen again and happen again so to speak so i expect him to bounce back and be a good primo mid for the whole season on to brad crouch going to play his first game for the saints this week in round three so with crouch uh pretty much it'll be a wait and see um i do like him but the thing that probably puts me off uh, jack Steele and pretty much jack Steele and brad crouch the ones i would be targeting from st kilda is that efficient ball movement from the Saints. So if they're going to be an efficient ball movement team from defensive 50 into the forward line, that means that ball is not going to get stuck in the middle of the middle of the ground, which is going to reduce the opportunities for Steele and Crouch. So for me, I do like Crouch. I want to like him, but, you know, it's a wait and see for me. Your thoughts, Chip? Yeah, it's the same for me. Look, I'm not... I don't have high hopes for Crouch for, for me owning him in the season, but... Um, yeah, he um, he's obviously got that potential, doesn't he? So how he fits in the in the Saints backline, uh, Saints midfield, sorry, is there's a lot to play out. So yeah, don't push any early buttons with with Crouch. Okay, and our final one for this 12 pack, we're going to go to Blake Hardwick for the Hawks. He's been on fire to start the season. He had 15 marks there in round two. Uh, he's going to pretty much be in that role for this season, I would imagine. And then we had Will Day, who got injured, and he's out for an extended period with an ankle injury. Jack Scrimshaw was a medical sub in round two, so I would imagine that he would come in a straight swap for Will Day. So I think Scrimshaw is still um, an okay-ish option to score well for fantasy. I just wonder if that's going to impact on Blake Hardwick. Yeah, it's for me, it's it's dangerous because of the, the role changes that could happen. Yeah, Scrimshaw comes in for Day, but then does... Clarko send a Harry Morrison back or a Howe back just to have that, you know, that designated kicker a little bit better. Now, there was an interesting stat I did see on Hardwick was his disposal efficiency out of all these disposals was 84%. 
So I do look at disposal efficiency a little bit. Now, 31 possessions in the back line at a disposal efficiency of 84%. It's pretty good, pretty good rate for me. It's still volatile, but it wouldn't surprise me if Hardwick becomes the Hawthorne's quarterback. You know, Morrison is preferred on the wing, but they've got a few more mids at their disposal and a few more options on the wing. So I'm just more worried about seeing Morrison or Howe go back to halfback and... And then, it, you know, mucking around with the dynamics back there and Hardwick suffers. So, oh, it's a high risk, high reward, isn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd be, I would be thinking Scrimshaw is going to take a lot of those points, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. And I think Scrimshaw, from what I did see in round two, that he was, um, he came on late for day. Um, he did take a kick in or two, so it's just something to keep an eye out there uh, on Blake Hardwick there. So, okay, so Jep. This season, there's an extra podcast uh, for listeners who didn't already know. I'm doing a solo podcast on a Monday night, Tuesday morning drop, and it'll be designed to provide extra information in order for you to take your game to the next level this season. Uh, this podcast, between Jep and I, will drop on late Tuesday nights and early Wednesday mornings. Uh, Jep, any final thoughts before we head into round three? Just, uh, yeah, pick the primos and, and, and back yourself and, and make educated trades because um, we're starting to get into the business end of the season now. Okay, Jeff, that's it for episode 71. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.